Good day, and welcome to Free to be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to be Faithful is a religious liberty education and awareness program created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental incursions into religious life. People of faith and our institutions are coming under increasing attacks in recent years from secular sources. Have you ever heard the expression, damned if you do, damned if you don't? Well, it describes a situation in which a person loses even if doing everything right. That's the situation with an army chaplain who's being threatened with punishment for following the rules. Jeremy Dice of First Liberty Institute is involved in the case of Chaplain Scott Squires. He talks about the case with me on today's Free to be Faithful. Well, my guest today is Mr. Jeremy Dice with First Liberty. Uh, Mr. Dice, could you say a little bit about yourself and about the organization? Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, I work for First Liberty Institute, where I'm Deputy General Counsel, and First Liberty is a nationwide religious liberty law firm. All we do is defend religious liberty in the schools, in the military, within the public square, and for houses of worship. We want to make sure that every American is free to live their life according to their faith without any interference by the government. Well, as a matter of fact, we have a situation right now within the armed forces. There is in Fort Bragg a pastor, I believe is a Baptist uh, chaplain by the name of Scott Squires. And uh, Chaplain Squires is required by his uh, church and by the Department of Defense to follow the teachings of his church and, of course, to follow proper military regulations. He did this in a particular case and now finds himself being charged with dereliction of duty and may even be facing court-martial because he followed procedure. What happened with this case? Uh, there's a whole lot to unpack in this case, but what it boils down to is here you have Chaplain Scott Squires being punished or being recommended for punishment for simply following the rules of both the Army as well as his endorsing agency, the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. But under federal law and Army regulations, Chaplain Squires has to follow those rules of his endorsing agency along with the rules of the military, and he's done all of that. He, his career is being ruined because he followed the rules. But Chaplain Squires was a, a soldier first, and he, in fact, he has a bronze star. He, he's a, he's a, he, he spent a long time just as a soldier and then moved into the chaplaincy. And as a chaplain, he's a well-regarded chaplain within the United States Army. Uh, and so he was filling in for another chaplain while he was out. And, and the Army does these things called strong bonds marriage retreats. That's important to know in the story. And they, they're really small gatherings of people going on a marriage retreat led by and facilitated by an Army chaplain. And so uh, one day, uh, a same-sex couple comes to Casey Griffin, his chaplain assistant, the staff sergeant in the Army, and registers for the Strong Bonds Marriage Retreat. Casey takes that information, says thank you very much, passes it on to uh, Chaplain uh, Squires, and, and informs the same-sex couple that, that uh, the chaplain would probably want to speak to them. Uh, chaplain Squires realizes that the rules of his denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, does not permit him to facilitate a, 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 a marriage retreat with a same-sex couple. And so he immediately begins to put into action a plan to make sure that they can get to that marriage retreat and that he can remove himself so he can obey the rules of, the, of his denomination. And thankfully, there's a requirement in the military, there's a regulation on this that allows chaplains to follow the rules of their denomination and then uh, make sure that the couple can go to the marriage retreat as well. And that's exactly what Chaplain Squires did. It took him three business days to make sure that that all worked out. Uh, but that was apparently too slow for the couple. They file a complaint. The uh, the Army, uh, under the direction of Major General Kurt Sontag down at Fort Bragg, 
requires an investigation to occur into this matter, uh, and they pronounced that um, at first of the, the issue is that they say that Chaplain Squires engaged in discrimination. And then they said that uh, Casey uh, Griffin, the staff sergeant, she also engaged in discrimination for just that purely administrative act. And so they both were recommended for discrimination, but Kurt Sontag, the general there, says do more investigating in this matter. And just this past week, we got a, uh, a, the final report and that now says that Chaplain Squires engaged in, quote, dereliction of duty, which carries with it the potential of a court-martial and time in a military prison for failing to, for, for, for taking three full business days to make sure that this couple could get to another retreat that he was not able to lead. Uh, he followed the rules of the Army, and he followed the rules of his uh, denomination, and yet he's being recommended for uh, penalties as high as uh, court-martial and, and military prison. Chaplains should not have to give up their First Amendment rights in order to serve. Well, something else that I noticed is that the investigator is apparently uh, trying to read motive into this rather than what what the chaplain's uh, denomination says or the Army regulations say. The investigator just said, well, no, he didn't believe he was doing this because of his religion. He thought it was because uh, of discrimination. Uh, The the entire report is is very concerning. Uh, The fact that a chaplain would be investigated for following the rules of the Army and its denomination, I think, is, is, is frustrating enough. But then you also have the element of Staff Sergeant Griffin, who, who purely engaged in an administrative act. She took in information, and she transmitted information back. That's all that she did here. And here's a Staff Sergeant. She's an African-American, up-and-coming uh, soldier, uh, had, been, had been accepted into the Green to Gold program, which is a very competitive, uh, very prestigious program that allows uh, soldiers to, uh, who are enlisted to go through college on basically a full-ride scholarship, uh, go through ROTC, and then come out as an enlisted officer, or, I'm sorry, as a commissioned officer. A very selective program that Casey had been in, in, accepted into. But because General Sontag had ordered this investigation and he refused to make a decision on the investigation, or at least her role in it, that has left a flag on her file and prevented her from participating in this program. And so not only has it ruined the, uh, the career of uh, Chaplain Squires, but now because General Sontag just simply refuses to make a decision and remove that flag from her file, it's prevented Casey from being able to go on, get a scholarship, go to college, and become an officer. This, this is the problem that you have when you have uh, a military that is dedicated to being politically correct on a certain front and, and refusing, or actually maybe we should put it this way, by taking adverse action against a chaplain and his assistant as a result of, of his refusal to do something that is contrary to their sincerely held religious beliefs, that, that's a problem and it violates federal law. And also, as I understand, all, all Staff Sergeant Griffin did was say uh, was to accept their uh, the application, say, uh, I'm going to give it to the, to the pastor, and then came back and said, I'm sure the chaplain is going to want to speak to you about it. That's all she did. That is all she did. And, and for that, she has lost her scholarship. This would be like you having a chance to go to college without being able to pay for it and getting a full-ride scholarship. And the Army, because this is now a, a flag on her file, has prevented her from participating in that. She has lost her scholarship to go to college. She may never be able to go to college. And certainly the prospects of this enlisted staff sergeant to become a, a commissioned officer has reduced dramatically. Uh, and so this is just terrible that General Sontag would not make a decision just to simply remove the flag and let her go on to college and become an, a, an officer. The, the, the great irony, too, is that uh, Casey Griffin had these glowing reports from a three-star general, so a star above General Sontag, uh, saying how good of a soldier she is and how well she would do in this green-to-gold program. And yet, 
uh, General Sontag has simply just uh, let her her career kind of wither on the vine. And I also understand that uh, she was investigated by her immediate uh, supervisor and cleared her of any charge. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Yes, that's right. Uh, but that was not enough to the couple who complained, and they appealed to General Sontag. He had the authority in and of himself to simply... Uh, say, no, I'm going to clear those charges and allow Casey to continue in the Green to Gold program while investigating Chaplain Squires. Now, I don't think he should have done that either, but, you know, he had that prerogative. But here's a guy who is uh, is responsible for ordering men to go into battle and perhaps die. He literally makes life and death decisions, but he doesn't want to make this decision. He, he doesn't want to be put in a place where he's got to, uh, he, he's got to uh, offend one group uh, over what he perceives as a politically correct issue while, uh, uh, you know, impacting the career of, of someone like Sergeant Griffin. Uh, that, that's just uh, terrible. We, we pay our generals to make hard decisions. And the, the easy decision here was simply to remove this blot from her record and allow her to go to college and become the officer that I think everyone, including the three-star general, thinks she should, uh, should have had the chance to do. And it's simply really uh recognizing what the what the law what the military law and, and civil law allowed i mean she's she did nothing wrong she was cleared all the general had to say was okay that's exactly right and not only that now it has gone even further because general sontag has required this uh secondary investigation because apparently the first one wasn't enough to say that they had engaged in discrimination you'd think if you redo the investigation that you'd find a way to say well maybe this was okay uh, no, what has come out now is that uh, the general, I'm sorry, that Chaplain Squires is not only guilty of discrimination, but that he is engaged in, quote, dereliction of duty because he took three business days to get back to the couple and to reschedule this to ensure that they could go to the next available um, marriage retreat, which is just a very few days after the one they had registered for. Oddly enough, um, the couple did not even go to that retreat. Uh, and we don't know why. The, the, the investigation does not uh, reveal that information to us, but uh, they had every chance to do so, and they simply chose to make a complaint instead, and now we're seeing the ruin of at least two members of the military and their career. Was there any evidence that this couple knew that the chaplain was a Baptist and couldn't do this? You know, I don't know, uh, but they, they knew he was a chaplain. And, and again, the, the, the rules of the military require a chaplain to follow the rules of his endorsing agency. And if the chaplain does not follow the rules of his endorsing agency, he could lose his endorsement and therefore his position in the military as a chaplain. Uh, and so he has to follow the rules of his, his sending agency. And, and so that's why the military at the DOD level has put in place a regulation that requires him to follow the rules of his denomination. And in circumstances like this, where he's not permitted or prevented is the better way to say it, when he's prevented from being able to facilitate such a retreat, that, uh, that he finds a way to have the, the couple make sure that they can go to the retreat with someone who can lead the retreat. That is precisely what Chaplain Squires did. And for that, he's being accused of dereliction of duty. Uh, it concerns me greatly when someone follows the rules of his agency, his endorsing agency, as well as the, the rules of the military, that we declare them to be, and frankly, goes above and beyond and puts them into another uh, retreat that that person is then accused of dereliction of duty. Uh, and that's a very serious offense. You and I don't get accused of dereliction of duty very often, but in the military, that carries with it the potential of putting him on court-martial in time up to six months in a military prison for doing what he was supposed to do under the law and the rules of his denomination. Well, where does the case go from this point? Uh, what, what options are open to, uh, to Pastor Squires and to uh, Sergeant uh, Griffin? 
Well, I, sadly enough, I think Sergeant Griffin has lost her place in the Green to Gold program, and I don't think there's any getting that back. Uh, my hope is that some uh, stars above General Sontag would see fit to put her back into that program, but we'll have to see where that goes. As to Cha- uh, Chaplain Squires, we have sent a letter back to the Army this week uh, giving information, rebutting the information that was in this report, and explaining exactly how he followed the rules of his denomination and the military and urging General Sontag to, or in this case, it's, it's Colonel Rice, uh, who, who's the, the, the next level of appeal right now, uh, urging him to clear uh, Ch- Chaplain Squires' record and, and to, uh, to, to what they call not affirm the, the report here. So they will clear that, that, uh, that report and allow Chaplain Squires to get back to the work that he does uh, so well there at Fort Bragg. Uh, you know, it, it could result in, in further action, legal action against him. And look, we're going to stand with General or with uh, Chaplain Squires all the way through this process. I would like to urge people, though, to go to FirstLiberty.org and sign the petition to urge General Sontag to end this nonsense. Uh, sign the petition we have at FirstLiberty.org that urges General Sontag to just simply remove the stain on Chaplain Squires' record as well as Casey Griffin's and allow them to be the, the soldiers that they have been collected to be. Uh, Mr. Dice, this isn't the only instance uh, where military officials have come down on chaplains, is it? Sadly, no. And again, chaplains should never have to give up their First Amendment rights in order to serve in the military. That's a very important and really a basic premise that we have in our society. Uh, We've had the privilege to work beside men like Chaplain uh, Wes Motter, who was uh, almost drummed out of the military for abiding by his religious beliefs. Uh, And there are others, and I'm sure there are many listening right now on this program that uh, maybe have a connection to a chaplain or are themselves chaplains. Look, it's an important thing that we we make sure we remind uh, the U.S. military that when you go into the military, especially as a chaplain, you're not required to abandon your religious beliefs. In fact, chaplains are required to maintain their fidelity to the denomination that sends them into the military. Uh, And so I I would encourage chaplains to to be proactive and and to get with us sooner than later so we can help you out through these circumstances. What they, as well as we, understand is, is that uh, oftentimes there is just simply a misunderstanding with U.S. military, and there's a kind of a lack of training that goes on. Uh, our hope is to work with chaplains uh, and their superior officers to make sure that they are adequately trained and un- understand what the rules of the military and, and their denominations are. Uh, we've even asked the Department of Justice in this newly formed Religious Liberty Task Force that uh, Attorney General Sessions has announced to, to make sure that General Mattis, or I guess it's Secretary Mattis now, uh, receives the memo that the DOJ put out about a year ago uh, providing guidance on religious liberty. It has very key and clear instructions about religious liberty, liberty in the military, and our hope is that the task force visits with uh, Secretary Mattis and reminds him of how important it is to preserve and protect the religious liberty for all of our soldiers, airmen, uh, and Marine sailors and Marines. It's absolutely vital. I know I've spoken to a number of uh, service people who uh, had very positive experiences with the chaplains. And of course, I've spoken to many, many chaplains. And uh, the role that they play is just vital. And in fact, it go- our history it goes back as far as the Revolution. There, been cha- there were chaplains with the Continental Army. Indeed, and we had a long tradition of protecting that service here. And as as one chaplain reminded me recently, that uh, you know he, he put down his M sixteen to pick up John three sixteen to go out and serve <laughs> in the military. That's a cute way of putting it, and it's an important thing that uh, 
the chaplain squires, along with every other chaplain in the military, they should never have their career ruined for simply following the rules of both their faith and the army. That's what chaplain squires did. I think that's what every chaplain attempts to do. And in the times that there is a conflict between the two, uh, we, we should be quick to preserve and defend the religious liberty of our chaplains so that they can create better morale within our, our armed forces. Also, it should be pointed out that the uh, chaplains who do serve within the armed forces are indeed full members of that particular branch. They are soldiers, they are marines, they are seamen, they are airmen. Uh, they go through the training. They are, in, in every sense of the word, soldiers. And then they become chaplains. Exactly. And when you take adverse action against a chaplain as a result of a refusal to do something contrary to their sincerely held religious beliefs, that violates federal law. A military chaplain always follows military policy when he merely explains the restrictions placed on him by his endorsing agency on what religious rites, ceremonies, and practices he may or may not perform. Uh, Those are the things that we expect our chaplains to do, and we ought to protect them when they do. Is there any any, uh, possibility of action uh, taken against General Stoddard, or uh, pardon me, Sontag? Look, I, I hope so. Uh, again, that, that would have to come, I think, from the Pentagon or maybe even an act of Congress. I, I know members of the Armed Forces Committees in both houses are watching this case very, very carefully and are, are interested in how they may be able to provide some uh, some guidance uh, to the, the base there, or perhaps they need to exercise a bit of oversight. Remember, those commissions come from Congress, and then perhaps they, they need to evaluate how those commissions uh, work. But look, the Attorney General of the United States provided guidance to the Secretary of the Armed Forces, uh, General Mattis, here about a year ago. And it's very clear within those guidelines that uh, prohibiting chaplains from discussing aspects of their religious beliefs or practices with which some may disagree, that would strip thousands of chaplains of the ability to act and speak in accordance with their sincerely held religious beliefs. That's not what we should be doing. Chaplains should be able to, to, to fully exercise their First Amendment rights when they're in the military service. Not to mention the uh, the service people who to who who rely on them. You're exactly right. Think about how many men and women of our, our armed forces are benefited from uh, the chaplains within our armed forces. Uh, and, and think of the, the broad array of, of how many different chaplains we have in our military. Uh, men and women that are serving in the chaplaincy corps from uh, every stripe of religious faith, and, and in some cases no faith at all, within our armed forces. Our, our service members rely upon them for spiritual guidance, for emotional support, for a tremendous amount of counseling in some of the most dire situations that a human could possibly go through. We ought to be encouraging our chaplains to, to, to abide by the faith that they have been endorsed uh, with uh, and sent into the military to encourage our service members to be able to carry out the very important mission that we, we ask of them to carry out. Well, one thing I think needs to be brought out is that uh, a chaplain of whatever denomination is very upfront about what his denomination, his or her denomination says, what they're allowed to do and what they aren't allowed to do. And if someone comes up to a chaplain seeking help, seeking counsel, and that chaplain is unable to give it because of the tenets of that faith, the chaplain is also bound, as the case with the uh, with uh, chaplain squires, is bound to actually arrange for that person to receive the counseling from another agency. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and there's a reason why they're up front on that, is that uh, we want to ensure that all of our men and women of our armed forces have the opportunity to receive the counsel, the direction that they need, based upon the religious beliefs that they, they, they share. And so that's why chaplains come from all these variety of stripes, to improve that opportunity for morale and, and uh, kind of a spree de corps that comes with 
being able to identify with their particular religious faith and practice that openly within the armed forces. Look, our, our men and women of the military give up a lot of things in order to serve within our armed forces. A lot of liberties are, are removed, and I think necessarily when they are engaged in, in these um, in, intense situations that our men and women face in the military. But they don't give up their First Amendment rights. They, they don't lose their religious liberty when they go through boot camp, uh, nor should we expect them to do so. And that's why chaplains play this key role. And it's, if we can't protect the chaplains to do what we expect them to do within our armed forces, how are we going to protect the religious liberty rights of the men and women that are in the rank and file? One thing that bothers me is that we have a situation where there's a military administration, we have military law, we have civilian law, all these different laws and regulations are somehow involved in this. And uh, boy, sorting this out has got to be a mess. Well, it's not as much of a mess as I think we, we, we sometimes make it out to be. I mean, look, the chaplain squires knew what the rules were, and he followed them. It's just now convincing people like General Sontag and others that those rules, A, exist, and that they are to be followed. Uh, there are rules for a reason, you know. Uh, we may not like those rules sometimes, but that doesn't mean, especially in the military, we don't follow them. What was that famous line from A Few Good Men that, uh, that Jack uh, Nicholas said there? You know, we follow rules or orders because if we don't, people die. You know, there's a reason why we have military rules in the military. Uh, and one of them is that chaplains are required to follow the rules of their endorsing agency. And when they don't, that's a problem. Uh, but when we punish our chaplains for following the rules of their endorsing agency, we ruin careers and we prevent the chaplaincy from being as effective as they possibly could be. That's uh, it's a frightening situation in, in, in many, many ways. We see, I think, an increase in uh, persecution, if I may say, against uh, people of faith throughout the country. Fortunately, I think our new administration is taking some steps in the right direction. But I think we've seen some open hostility, both in, the, in civilian life and in the military life, to, uh, to people of faith. I, don't I think it's awful hard to deny. I think you're right. I mean, and, and you look at, uh, you know, a week or two ago, I, I was in Washington, D.C., when General Sessions, Attorney General Sessions, held his summit on religious liberty at the Department of Justice. Now, think about that for a minute. That has never occurred by any sitting Attorney General of the United States. That alone is an historic event that has occurred, and I think the American people should take notice of the fact that we have an Attorney General who has uh, received direction from the President, President Trump, to ensure that religious liberty is defended for all Americans. Uh, and here he does. He, he just snaps to and salutes his, his president. He creates that, uh, that guidance memo that he's then distributed to all the, the members of the executive agencies. And now he hosts this, uh, this summit to say, hey, look, we're going to defend religious liberty for all Americans. I was there. And what I saw was a cross-section of people of faith from the entire country. Uh, you, you had uh, Christians, you had Catholics, you had Muslims, you had Sikhs, you had Jewish uh, rabbis that were there. You had all these individuals, and the Department of Justice is saying, so long as it concerns the United States, the country, that, that the government that defends these people is going to defend the religious liberty of all Americans. That's a huge deal. What we haven't seen so much, though, uh, and the need for this task force that Attorney General Sessions announced is to make sure that all the heads of all the executive departments, and that includes the Department of Defense, are following the guidelines, the, the rules the, uh, of, uh, that Congress has passed, that the Constitution requires. He wants to make sure that all the executive agencies are, are following those same directives, because that is the priority of our president. Uh, and not only the priority of our president, he recognizes that that is a priority of the First Amendment. 
And that's why we have it. So we've got a historic time right now where the Attorney General is saying the Department of Justice is going to lead the charge to ensure that the religious liberty of all Americans is well defended. You know, this wasn't even a question when I was growing up. How did we drift so far? You know, it's hard to put the finger on any one thing. Uh, But I, I think the way that freedom dies is that it dies slowly by a thousand cuts. And President, President Reagan was fond of saying that uh, freedom is not something we pass down through the bloodstream. It's something that we have to uh, recommit ourselves to in every generation. And so unless you and I are working at that, uh, we're going to lose that freedom. When we allow just one freedom to kind of get curtailed a bit, then we allow it to be uh, suffering a little bit more bleeding, and, and it, it drains the life out of it just a little bit more. Uh, so how do we begin to resolve that? Well, it's pretty simple. One, you've got to know what your rights actually are. And we've got all kinds of resources for you at FirstLiberty.org, so you know what those rights actually are. Uh, and so that when that happens to you, you know how to respond. And so we want to make sure that that's available to you. Go to FirstLiberty.org, you can, you, can, you can pull those things down. But then once you know those resources, once you know what your rights are, having that conversation over the dinner table with your kids and reminding them what freedom actually looks like, what the promise of this country actually is to them and to the future generations, that's where the nitty-gritty comes in every single time. That's how we transmit freedom down from one generation to the other. It comes down to you, mom and dad, sitting down across the table from your kids at dinner, or as you're walking down the street, reminding them what our commitment is here in this country. Uh, Don't depend upon the government to do that for you. That's your job. It is, and uh, something that, well, I remember growing up, you know, my, my dad had fought in World War II, and uh, it was certainly something that we discussed at our dinner table, is what, what, what was it we fought against, what was it we were fighting for? And uh, I think sometimes we have lost that view. I, I'm not sure why, maybe going back to uh, the days of Vietnam or Korea or who knows, but there is a murk there, and we need to be able to see through it. Indeed. Yeah, no, I, I think so. And, and to make sure that people understand why this is an issue, going back to the Chaplain Squire situation, why should they care about it? I mean, they, maybe they're not in the military, but maybe someday their son will be, or their daughter will face the, the, a similar issue within the armed forces. Let's make sure we preserve and defend the religious liberty for all Americans today so that future generations have the freedom to be able to exercise their faith as they see fit according to their conscience. It's also a national security issue. As you pointed out, the uh, chaplaincy corps is, is uh, vital for the uh, morale of the... Yeah, of I, the I don't think the enli- that uh, the citizens, regular citizens today, fully appreciate that unless they've served in the military uh, or served with people who, who have served. Look, it's, it's, it's vital. The, the amount of counseling and encouragement that they provide... Uh, the, the ability for, for people of faith to be able to practice their faith, even in foreign theaters, uh, to have that uh, place to come back and talk to when they've gone through the loss of one of their closest battle buddies. I mean, th- th- this is vital to the defense of our country. And if we strip chaplains of the ability to follow the, the dictates of their faith, then we strip of them the ability to be able to encourage others to practice their faith as well. And what that results in is a depressed uh, service, uh, a a depressed core uh, that we cannot afford to do in this day and age. Absolutely not. We need the the people who, especially now, we have a volunteer force. You know, these people need the motivation. They're already motivated, they've already joined, but still, they will face things that the average person on the street here cannot understand. Can't even fathom. Indeed. Mr. Dice, we're running out of time. Uh, I wish I could extend this and discuss it even further. 
Uh, just let us recap about uh, about First Liberty and what you're doing and how people can contact you and help in this case. Yeah, well, First Liberty is working on a lot of cases, not just in the United States military, but of course, as I mentioned before, I'd really encourage folks to go to firstliberty.org and, and sign that petition that's on our page there for Chaplain Squires. Urge General Sontag to make a decision, and it just simply do away with this nonsense of charging a chaplain with dereliction of duty for ensuring that someone is able to go to a conference that he's not able to lead. Uh, that's the first thing that you can do. But, you know, look around the other cases we're working on. We've got two cases pending before the Supreme Court of the United States right now one having to do with a monument that's been standing in Maryland since 1925 that happens to be in the shape of a cross, uh, a gravestone to 49 men who fought in World War I from uh, Prince George's County, Maryland. Uh, I'd encourage folks to, to take a look at that case and see how they may be able to help out with that. Uh, maybe you heard about uh, Joe Kennedy, the, the, the uh, football coach in Bremerton, Washington, who took a knee for 15 or 30 seconds after a game in silent prayer and now is at the Supreme Court of the United States fighting over whether or not it was appropriate for him to be fired for a 15-second silent prayer that other people could see him doing. Uh, that's a dangerous standard to be put in place here for not only chaplain, or for not only uh, coaches like uh, Coach Kennedy, but for school employees and public employees elsewhere. This is going to be a remarkable decision that the, the court does not have to take. Uh, and yet we hope that they will be urged to do so. So, you know, go to firstliberty.org, share that with your friends, and encourage others to, uh, to sign the petitions we have there to make sure that uh, people of faith are well protected. No one in America should be denied the promise of the First Amendment, and that's what First Liberty exists to do. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Dice. I appreciate you being on the program. Thank you. You've been listening to Free to be Faithful, produced by Worldwide KFUO, the official broadcast ministry of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Thank you for listening and supporting Free to be Faithful on Worldwide KFUO.